that we throw around a lot as Christians and at church, grace. You know, there's a lot of books about grace. There's a lot of churches called grace. There's a lot of ministries called grace. There's a lot of people called grace, too. And, um, you know, grace, we learned about over the last couple weeks, is receiving something that you don't deserve. And this morning, I want to start this sermon off with letting you know that no matter God's calling on your life, you need grace. So like I said, this morning is hard for some because they didn't necessarily get the calling of mother on their life. And some of them may have wanted the calling of mother. You know, one thing I've learned in my pastoral office when people come in and talk to me about their lives is that I don't care what your story is. I don't care if you're single or a single mother or a grandmother with kids or a mom or not a mom or a dad or whatever your occupation. Every life needs grace. There is not one occupation that I can tell you or one type of individual that I can tell you, oh, never comes to my office and never asks for anything. That is the life that you should look for. That is the life. There, there is none. I haven't found a life that doesn't need grace. Now this morning, we are going to talk about motherhood. But your calling, no matter what it is, is beautiful. And it's awesome. And it requires grace. And I know there's maybe some of you that are like, I would give anything to be a mother. And there's some mothers in here that be like, and I would give anything to be you for a little while. Right? Every calling needs grace. Every calling. I don't care what you do. Um, you might be looking at the scriptures and going, what in the world, Marcus, does that have to do with motherhood? How I came to this scripture is classic Marcus. I thought Mother's Day was next weekend. And so I prepared a sermon on Romans today, because we've been going through the book of Romans, and I was still in Romans chapter 12. And then the other night, I was like, oh, no, Mother's Day. I need to have a Mother's Day sermon. And so quickly, I thought about a mother of something that I could, you know, uh, speak about here um, at, uh, you know, and I was like, hmm, Mary, first that came to my mind in Scripture. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. That would be kind of a high bar, right? No, Mary, she was pretty incredible, right? And then I thought of another group of women that maybe most of you might not know about. And that's who Paul is talking about in this little section of Scripture. So Paul, right, is one of the most famous characters in Scripture. Paul wrote a large majority of Scripture, most of the New Testament, and we've been learning a lot about Paul. Why? Because we've been hanging out in the book of Romans. And remember, Paul was that guy who um, you know, had his name changed from Saul to Paul. And remember, he was born into a very affluent family, and he was very, very, very devout religious. And so when this Jesus guy came along, Paul raised up against Jesus and said, No, you will not take down my institutional religion. I'm going to take you down because this is how we do it. And remember, God met Paul on the road and he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And remember that the significance of those names? Remember the word Saul meant good 
and great and strong and mighty. It was the first king ever of Israel, and Saul happened to have great stature, and all the girls wanted to know him, you know? You know what the word Paul means? Puny. It translates to puny. So can you imagine being Saul? Saul was born on the right day, in the right family, to the right occupation, was very wealthy, had great um, prestige, great popularity. Everyone looked to him as a leader and said, yeah, and his name was Saul. Then on the road, God meets him and says, hey, you're persecuting me. Paul, Saul was like, I, didn't, I don't want to. Tell me what to do. And he goes, first change your name to Puny. Imagine that. That's like... Can you come up with a different one? Could you know, Peter? You gave him the word that means rock. I get puny. This gets rock. Have you seen Peter? He says the dumbest stuff. You know, Peter does say the dumbest stuff. That's why I love Peter in Scripture because Peter says the dumbest things, and I do too. I shove both feet in my mouth all the time. Peter says such dumb things. One time, he even said, "Dude." Get behind me, Satan. Imagine being a person and Jesus says to you, get behind me, Satan. That would be one of those like, uh, you're talking to him. Where, where's Satan? I'm freaking out right now. You know? And Jesus is like, what you're saying is evil and I'm renouncing it. And Peter must have been like, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but, oh, I'm an idiot. You know? And so here's Paul, this strong leader who feels like he never said out of place and he's going to be given the name Puny. Okay, and then is that calling on his life is what he doesn't want. See, Paul is a Jew of the Jews, right? He's a Jew of the Jews, and they do not like anybody else. They label the entire rest of the world Gentiles, and they're like, eh. First, God says, your name will be puny, and you will serve the Gentiles the rest of your life. And Paul's like, What? Right? That's like me, you know, God coming to me saying, first, you're going to be called wimpy, okay? And then you, your job is to be a minister to Yankee fans the rest of your life. Ooh, ooh, right? That's what Paul just said. Jamie ran, what? I've got to be a minister to Yankee fans for the rest of my life. Exactly. Um, so why am I giving you all this? Well, Paul was very inspired by meeting God on that road to Damascus, was put on fire for Christ, and went and began to spread the good news all throughout that section of the world that he was from. And on his way, he prayed fervently for anyone that would answer the call to do the same thing he was doing. And think of the infomercial for Paul. He'd come to you. Jesus, you want to do what I'm doing? Here's what you need to do. First, you need to be called puny, wimpy, Sally, whatever you want to be called. Poor Sally. How did she get stuck with that, you know? That's so sad. Um, then you need to go to whoever you don't like. Just figure out who you don't like, the group of people you don't like, and you need to be a minister to them. And on the way, you're going to get wrecked on a ship. You're going to get bit by a snake. Oh, a bunch of towns are going to throw rocks at you. That's really kind of fun. You know, they're just going to chuck a bunch of rocks at you. You're probably going to be thrown in prison. You probably will have a hard time finding anything to eat. And then the people that actually you think are going to help you, the church, they're going to be like, ah, no thanks. That looks dangerous. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. 
You know what's crazy cool? There's this young guy named Timothy, and he was like, I'll, I'll do it. And Paul's like, you're a kid, bro. And he's like, I know, but I'll do it. And Paul says, all right, you're coming with me. And what Paul discovered very quickly is that Timothy comes from good stock. He's got a grandmother named Lois, and he has got a mother named Eunice, and they are good people. And this right here tells you why they are good people. Good grandma, good mom. Why? Right here. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned, what you have been taught by your grandmother, what you have been taught by your mother, what you have been convinced of, meaning this, you have observed your mother, you have observed your grandmother, and you are convinced because of whom you learned it from. Because of who you've learned it from. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. From infancy. It doesn't say that Lois and Eunice were unbelievable public speakers. It didn't say that Lois and Eunice were the best Sunday school teachers or were the best, you know, church leaders or were somebody important. All it says is that Lois and Eunice spoke the word of God over Timothy when he was an infant and continued to put scripture in his home and in his path and in his way for the rest of his life. And he became convinced of the Holy Scriptures. I bet you anything, when old Eunice and old Lois were raising Timothy, because now this is encouraging to you if you maybe are a single mom. We don't know a lot about Timothy's dad other than he was a Gentile. And that is assumed that he didn't believe in what Lois and Eunice were teaching Timothy. It doesn't say he was opposed to it either. Just wasn't maybe on board. So, I don't think Lois and Eunice had any idea that this little boy that they were teaching God's word to would one day be called upon by arguably the greatest apostle of all time, Paul the Apostle, would say to Timothy, you, my son, are going to be a church planter. And I'm very thankful for that because for the book of First and Second Timothy, Paul explains how to do church. And when we first started this church five years ago, I did a sermon series through the entire book of First and Second Timothy because I was like, uh, I need to read the manual on this. I didn't come here to do church. I came here to be a missionary to a mountain. And then all you guys started calling me pastor. And I was like, my dad's here? Where's dad? You know? And now here we go. And so I was able to read this manual that Paul wrote to Timothy. This letter would not have been written to Timothy if it wasn't for Lois and Eunice. And what did they do? They spoke the word of God over Timothy over and over and over. And guess what? That ain't easy. You know why? I had a mother that spoke the word of God over me over and over and over. And there were many, many a times between the ages probably 10 and 18, that I was like, stop! 
No, I don't want your rules. I don't want your direction. I don't want your boring life. You're boring, okay? You tell me to do things that are lame. One of the things that we had to do was listen to Christian music. Oh, that was difficult, right? And if I could, I was allowed to listen to the oldie station if, if when we got in the car, I could give my mom 10 scripture verses by memory. And they couldn't be the same ones that I said yesterday in the car when we went. So each year we had to memorize 40 verses each year, and there are 40 different ones. So over the course of about, you know, I think it, we did that from like seventh grade to like maybe like junior year in high school or something like that. So, I mean, roughly I learned between 120 and 160 memory verses because of my mother. And she used them like currency. She did. And she probably just felt like she had to, you know? And um, it was incredible. And guess what? Do I know all those memory verses by heart right now? Not really. I can't tell you the address sometimes, but every single one of those memory verses is here. And the idea behind them. I never knew I was going to be a pastor. I never knew I was going to be sitting in a desk when someone says, you know, hey, the doctor says I've got cancer, I'm not going to make it. Or, hey, I need you to help me and we need to bury one of my children. That's the worst one, you know. Or, hey, I need you to help me, you know, my marriage is just in the tubes. Hey, I need you to help I don't have anything to help them. You know what I have? I have a Rolodex in my mind of Scripture. Of Scripture. And it is amazing. Because guess what? You the little bit that I remember of those 100 and something verses with Google, I can find them all. Because all I need to remember two, three words of a scripture verse, kick it into Google, it will show me the reference, and then I can use my Bible right there on my desk. And people are always like, how do you do that? Uh, Cindy Corey and Google. The combination of the two, and I'm all and even if I don't have Google, you know, one of the things that I ran into as a child, I don't really know what it was, but I, I hated, I think it was this, I hated being alone. I just, you can imagine that, right? I hated being alone. And one of the things that drove me crazy and it, and it caused anxiety in my life was when I'd go over, and I wanted to always, because I was so social, go to people's houses and spend the night. I love that, right? But I was always the last one to fall asleep. And when I was the last one asleep, it just gave me anxiety. I would just freak out because I felt alone, I think. And my mom was awesome. Did she say, ah, well, I'll come pick you up at 11 o'clock so that way you can have all the fun? And then, no, she said, here's the deal. This is Psalms 139. You need to memorize the entire chapter. And when you can't sleep, you say it over and over and over again. And I was this little eight-year-old boy at someone's home. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know where I sit and you know when I rise. You know where I make my bed. I can't go anywhere where you're not. You know, and I, again, oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. Oh, my goodness. The worst one, the worst one, was I was friends with this kid from Christian school, and his dad was a police officer. And he was a canine police officer. 
And the German shepherd slept in the bathroom. And it was the only bathroom in the house. And it came, you know, to that, I don't know, 20th time. Oh, Lord, you search me. No, I need to go to the bathroom. So down the stairs I go, and I turn the light on. And in my mind, he was like, (laughs) was he? I bet he wasn't. I bet he was like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, because I'm sure he was nice. But in my eight-year-old mind, he's like, that's how I I just turned the light on. There was a German shepherd like sleeping on the mat, you know, next to the tub by the toilet. And I was like, oh, oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. You know this dog. What do I do? You know, and I remember going the back, I go remember going back to bed and she'd be like, come on, come on, come on. I didn't make it. And I was eight years old and I hid it. I hid it from all of them. Like, I'm sure the mother knew but I took her sheets and put them in my duffel bag with my clothes. So when I got home, I opened my duffel bag and was like, wow. How'd something go you, pal? But Lois and Eunice spoke the word of God over Timothy. And who would have ever known that Timothy was going to be the first church planter? The first church planter ever. And Cindy Corey and Levina Bryant and Vera Corey, those, I am blessed. Those are my two grandmothers and my mom. Spoke the word of God over me continually. And who would have ever known that that snot-nosed Blonde-haired kid that never came inside, that never stopped talking, that never stopped making noise, that broke windows, that broke all kinds of stuff, was would one day be called a pastor in a small little New England town. I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they didn't know, you know. I used to listen to my grandmother's talk and my mother talk, and even yesterday I was visiting with my grandmother, and they've got that kind of like, oh, you know, new age today, everyone, so this, that, and the other, and I used to think, okay, Grammy, okay, Mom, like, whatever, like, chill out, you know. But I began to think about this. As a mom, society is telling you that it's not cool to be a mom that you should want something different. And you know what? There's a lot of you guys that have careers. That's awesome. I'm sorry that the church has told you that having a career as a mom is wrong. There's nothing in Scripture that says that. And there's nothing in Scripture that says if you be a stay-at-home mom, you're a better mom than somebody else. There's nothing in Scripture that says that. But society has told you that being a mom is a small good-for-nothing calling. And that is absolutely bull. Couldn't be further from the truth. So I want to read you from Titus chapter 2. Paul again is writing, and he's explaining to ladies what it should be like in a church. And he says this. Oh, I love it. It makes me smile. I love our church. I love going to church here says this in Titus, I don't even know what chapter, oh, chapter 2, verse 3. Likewise, older women, 
Be reverent in the way that you live. Do not gossip or slander. Don't drink too much wine. <laughs> the best. <laughs> but teach what is good. And urge the younger women to love their husbands, love their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home and to be kind, and to be, and to be supportive to their husbands so that no one will misunderstand God's word. It's a big calling to be a mom. I don't want to stand up here and make it some crazy thing that it isn't. Because when you look at Mary, you're like, oh my word, I can't do that. She raised Jesus. And I'm definitely not raising Jesus. right? Luke's a good guy. I like that guy. He's made in Jesus' image. Jesse's made in Jesus' image. Sometimes there's a different image, but Jesus' image is there. Um, and I didn't want to read from Proverbs 31. Because if you're a woman and you read from Proverbs 31, you can be like, that's kind of like me watching P90X. I'm like, yeah, right. Ever watch P90X? Forget that. I'm sure as a woman, you get Proverbs 31 and be like, whoa, that's intense. I'd like to show you what Lois and Eunice did. It's not some insane formula. It's just get God's word out. Speak it over your children. Read it as you gather around the table. Put it on a chalkboard on your wall in the kitchen, in the living room, in the dining room. Put it on a chalkboard in the wall of your children. Change it daily. Put it in your bathroom. Change it daily. It's God's word. It's powerful. And Eunice and Lois spoke it over Timothy. And like I said about my mother, you will find many a days where you feel like it is not working. Because I told my mom lots of times that I did not want her way of life. This is what I wrote on Facebook about my mom this morning. When I was in high school, um, I was hanging out one time, probably skipping class, uh, down at like the band, chorus, theater, like the, our, our, our auditorium at our high school. And we were out back behind the stage playing around with costumes, just being dumb. And there was this big, long, black wig. My mom, my mom has really dark black hair. And I put on that dark black wig, and I was just playing around for like a while, just talking to people, whatever. And I happened to go in and look in a mirror, and I could not get that wig off fast enough. I didn't have a beard back then. I was like a junior in high school. I was my mother. I looked identical to her. Like, I literally saw her, because she's got black hair. I went, oh, good. Ah, oh, look identical to your mother, it is freaky. Not exactly. But now, now I'm 36. And when someone comes to me, and they do, people that don't know me at all, will come to me and go, you look exactly like your mother. Right? People that I don't know, that know mom, you know, especially from her hospital. Right? If I come around the hospital, they'll be like, are you Cindy Corey's son? Yep, yep. 
Now it's wow, just like your mother. My response is, I hope I act like her too. I hope I'm like her too. I don't just look like her. I hope I become like her. And it, it's, it, I love that. I love, love, love that. I want to encourage you this morning, mothers. The word of God is powerful. Speak it over your children. And you might be like, well, I already raised them, and I didn't. It's okay. God's still on his throne. He's still in control. Don't take that much credit, Mom. You can still pray the word of God over your children. You can still write them the word of God. You can still send them the word of God. You can still have them over and talk about the word of God. Now, don't be preachy. No one likes that mother, and no one listens to that mother. Let's just be honest. And the louder you preach... (laughs) The less we listen, just put the Word of God there, tastefully. Pray it over them, put it on the wall, sign your letters with it, put in a birthday card. The Word of God is incredible. Jesus, we thank you so much for mothers. We thank you so much for the Word of God. Lord, I know there's all kinds of moms here. Lord, I know that there's young mothers. I know that there are mothers in the middle of it all with kids really right in the middle of it all, middle school and high school. And I know there's mothers that are empty nesters. God, you have grace for every space that a mother finds herself in. Grace for that. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the young mothers here, the young mothers here, Lord, would be encouraged to speak the word of God over their little children. Lord, that they would be encouraged to help bring those children into a community And be uncomfortable. Come on out, Lord. And that they would raise their children as kingdom, in a kingdom. And Lord, those those mothers that have kids in middle school and high school, that grace is special. Give them wisdom, Lord. Give them peace. Give them words to speak. And God, for those moms that are in the empty nest, give them purpose and wisdom. Thank you for mothers. Amen.